stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static, and Mark and I are joined this morning by Andrew Morris, Senior Litigation Counsel here at NCLA. Good morning. Good morning, and we're here to discuss, we're going to discuss the Newman case, and I'll I'll just say um, there's a motion to dismiss before the district court, and uh, in addition to the normal briefing, uh, while the briefing was going on, uh, and we had pointed out some mistakes that the uh, the the court had made, the circuit had made, um, they then issued a new order fixing their mistake. And so we asked for a briefing and we got a sir reply and we've talked about that. But the government insisted on a sir, sir reply. And uh, that has come in with some interesting revelations in it. And uh, so, Andy, what's going on? Well, there's a lot, a lot of pieces, John, but I will, I will give you a couple of the, uh, the, the, the most interesting hits. And one is the end of the story which, as you mentioned, and then I'll get back to what happened. Yeah. Uh, in the government's sir-sir reply, which is a very rare bird, <laughs> yeah. a judge lets you get that far in the back and forth, uh, they say, on, and I'm looking at their, their last page of their paper, they, they indicate that, in their view, they don't see where Judge Newman's ever going to be here in cases again. Uh, and I'm reading their sentence that says, absent relief from this national committee, which they say shouldn't be provided, she will not hear cases even if this um, backlog order uh, were, were uh, blocked. And so that's a, that's a very important sentence that indicates their, their expectation and position in this, there being the federal circuit, is that she ain't coming back. And, and that and they have the power to do that somehow. And that they can do that. And that is a pretty stark violation of the, take out pretty, a stark violation of the relevant statute, which is this Judicial Conduct and Disability Act, which it's not really clear. There is language that says someone can be held off for a, a, a specific limited period of time, and that's supposed to address someone who falls behind. Uh, and even that's constitutionally dubious, I think, if, if Bush comes to shove. But this is not a finite period of time. This is, they've already, it, they already have an order they'll keep her off for essentially 18 months, and they don't intend for her to come back. Uh, so that's a big Big which, which we knew, deal. sort of. I mean, they were acting as though that was the case, but they right. never said it before. Right. They didn't want to say that. And, and again, this— and, and by the way, completely violates the Constitution, which says you can only remove a judge with impeachment, not with these sort right. of machinations. Right. This is this is an act of her peers, who are other Article Three judges, deciding we're not going to let you back. And I'll go. I'm going to go backwards on one other point, John. You you referred to. This order that they yeah explain up that with. I I just sort of I gave the, a, a a brief sketch the, explain this uh, the as as uh, as we've explained before the federal circuit has sidelined Judge Newman through this internal administrative federal right. circuit process kind of a housekeeping role supposedly and we have gone to federal district court and say, say we want an order saying hey you can't do that for various reasons put her back on the bench well including the fact that the statute itself says. 
while this process is playing out, the judge is supposed to remain yes. on the bench, and that is not how they've played this. And, and we have pointed that out, and we and, and and not surprisingly, the federal circuit has taken the position that you can't be in federal district court at all. They don't have jurisdiction. Over us, so, because we are court of appeals right. judges, which and, I found to be rather uh, haughty. And so we pointed out that everybody concedes there is jurisdiction under this one line of orders, which we'll refer to as the backlog orders. Right. And that's this housekeeping rule that if a judge is too far behind— he or she doesn't get cases, and it happens until you catch up with your backlog. Right. But so, that's not an individuated judgment, typically. It's it, anybody who hits that line yes. has the same and, and thing happening. And it's also, despite some of the miscounting, I will say, go, went on in the backlog count here, it is a measuring stick that everyone can, can say, I've either met it or not met it. It's not this, oh, yeah. we don't like yeah. how you're doing things, and we have these, we've, we've scrounged together these affidavits of people who are under our thumb. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a measure. And yes, it's not exactly that, public, but it's certainly at least public to the other judges of the circuit. Right. It, and it, it is sufficiently public that I'm looking at it. And it is, uh, there is a rule, as, as, you, as you all indicate, it's, it's the clerical procedures in, in, the, in the court. And clerical procedure number three sets out the standards I'm going to do. But there, an example of how it works is if you've got six months is a big deal in the federal courts, there are reports. And if you have more than four cases that you've had for six months and you haven't issued the opinion, you, you have, you're behind, and so you don't get new cases until you catch up. So if you have five cases that are six months old, you'd have a backlog of one. And you got to clear that backlog and come, up, come in line. And, and as soon as you do, you get new cases. Right, and, so, and, it's, and it's clearly in the rule. It's in, in rule number three. And when such cases are cleared, when that backlog is cleared, you get new cases. It's right in uh, clerical procedure number three, paragraph 15. It's, not, it's, it's completely clear. Right. So to yeah. the extent that their claim for taking her off the bench was the backlog that's now cleared, she should be back on the bench right now. Well, she should have. It's, it's funny. She should have been back on the bench in August. And what happened here is we fi- they, they tried to get us out of federal court with a motion to dismiss. So we filed a paper saying, well, the motion to dismiss saying there's no jurisdiction in federal court, no power in, in, in the district court. We said, well, everybody agrees there's, there's jurisdiction in the district court because there's this backlog order. And lo and behold, after we filed that paper, all of a sudden, here pops up a new order from the federal circuit saying, we vacate that backlog order. And to, to get to the, the, the big reveal about that is they misused the word backlog starkly uh, because she cleared her backlog in August. And that's, that's apparent from the face of the November 8th order. But they didn't want to issue, they didn't want to withdraw the backlog order in August because they didn't yet have this other order in place to sideline her. So they just let it sit. And then in November, when we pointed out it was still there as a basis for our being able to be in federal court, they suddenly vacated it. But in the order, they say she has now in November cleared her backlog because she had, had decided her last case she had. Backlog doesn't mean you have nothing left to do. It means you're down to that four-case example I gave. And on the face of their order, she hit that mark in August. Well, even that is a little bit of a... That's counting it as sort of aggressively as you can against her. Because, oh, absolutely. We, because she had, you're doing that by when those cases issued, and that's not actually the way the rule yeah. is supposed to be counted. It's supposed to be counted by when you circulate the draft, which she had done well right. before August. Mark, you're exactly right. I mean, as John pointed out, uh, they've manipulated the way they count the days to try to get them just a notch over. And, and in fact, it's almost comical because they're just a nudge over these different thresholds where they say, oh, she's, a, she's two days past the the threshold, because they manipulate the way they count the days. And that, as you point out, Mark, together with this use of backlog, a backlog does not mean no cases. No, no, no English speaker thinks that, and that's not what the rule means. 
And I emphasize it because it's just, it's the latest example of manipulation of these rules to keep Judge Newman on the sidelines and, and frankly, manipulation in a way that I would not dare to do in front of a federal judge, including, you know, the federal circuit would, uh, would not be happy if a litigant came in and Use the term use the term backlog when there yes. wasn't one, right? Absolutely. In order to create a false right. impression right. that yeah. there's rules against that. Yes, as a as a as a you know an advocate, a lot of times stand up in court. I wouldn't dare to stand in front of a judge and use the word backlog that way. But it's right here in their latest order that popped up after we pointed out it was a problem for them. In fact, I'll go a step further. If I were an attorney at the Department of Justice and my client, a judge on the federal circuit, told me I had to put that in the in the motion, I would say, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. My, you're asking me to risk my law license to put something like that that's that's a misrepresentation to the federal yeah, district court. A- actually, there's two impunities going on here, and this is an old bugaboo of mine, but there's the incredible impunity of what the federal circuit's doing here. They know that they can issue orders to do this sort of thing and then give these directions, and they feel that no one will stop them. I mean, it is it is absolutely appalling that people who swear an oath to the Constitution are behaving this way. It's really bad. But then there's the Justice Department, which never gets sanctioned. So I don't know that they have the same concerns as regular lawyers. And, and John, while you're on a roll over that, then I will, if I have time, <laughs> I will, I will fit in one more nugget that's in the on the face of the November 8th order, um, which is it starts out by referring to a uh, the date doesn't matter, but on March 8th, a, a, a vote that the Judicial Council, which is the internal administrative body of the, uh, oh, the I forgot this. There's so much I've forgotten this. Go ahead. And there's, there, it, it's, it's an eye popper even for a non-lawyer because it is essentially, it, it, it's, there is zero contemporaneous evidence that there ever was a vote or an order or anything. Or a, have, or, a, or a meeting. Or a meeting. And again, I, I can't imagine appearing in front of a judge or a federal agency saying that my company took a vote on a certain date. Oh, by the way, we took a vote several months ago. We've never seen an email, uh, any documents. There's, there's a vote. But minutes. It's, there's no it's, minutes of it. There were no minutes. There's no order issued. There's zero. It's, it's, and I'm emphasizing it because it, it, again, tees up how highly irregular these procedures are to sideline Judge Newman. It's the first sentence in, in the latest order. Which says what? I mean, what Which says on March 8th, 2028, the Judicial Council voted unanimously to preclude the assignment of new cases to Judge Newman. There is, there is just no, no evidence was created at the time that that sort of, uh, it's referred to later, a month later, somebody says, oh, we did this last and, month, by the way. And by the way, if that did occur, then it was also in violation of the rules because she wasn't invited to the meeting and there was no reason to not invite her to the meeting because there was no vote that had occurred yet to exclude her from the meeting. So they can't just call a meeting and not invite her to a federal, she's a part of the of, of the Judicial Council. Well, I will see you on that and raise you one more point, which is they didn't have the authority to do, take any act relating to the Disability Act at that point because there was no complaint pending, but they did it anyway. Yeah. So it just wow. piles on top of irregularity on top of irregularity in how they're dealing with her. And, and these are all judges. I mean, they're all judges. They they're know judges, how to law. They're, but they're judges exercising administrative power, they, John. They they are, but you yeah. think that they would do it in a lawful manner. You it, would hope, but it, this is why the NCLA has been opposed to administrative power, because even in the hands of judges sworn to uphold the Constitution, it gets abused readily. Because they get, they get the protection of – because it's administrative, they get the protection of this – discretion where you give them, you cut them a lot of slack on what they did. If you see my blog post of last week, I railed about this. 
And so they say, oh, but we get discretion after they violate her constitutional rights. And you can read that blog post at our website. Um, and we will be back in a moment uh, to talk about uh, other NCLA matters. Thank yeah. you very much, Andy. Absolutely. Pleasure. Pleasure.